Welcome to the All About Digital Marketing podcast. The show all about digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing, digital marketing. Brought to you by Socialink, digital marketing agency specializing in social media and content marketing for brave brands and forward thinking SMEs. I'm your host, Chris Bruno. And as always, we're here to bring you the most actionable tips, tricks, tools, and insights to help you achieve more when it comes to your digital marketing. Subscribe to the show and be sure to share with a friend if you found something useful or interesting. You can find all the show notes and more information on www.allaboutdigitalmarketing.co.uk. Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Chris. Looking forward to this one. Adam, before we get started, and I am looking forward to this episode because we're going to be talking about uh, marketing SaaS companies. But before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do currently, and also a little bit about the journey of how you got here? Sure thing. Yeah. So I started, it was, it was actually really interesting. So I actually, I started as working with a SaaS company, um, probably back about five years ago now, a little bit over five years ago. And really, I was just trying to find any way that I could go out and just make some sort of income online. Like that was my only focus, the only thing in the world that I cared about. And I ended up working with this guy that was running a company. Um, It was a brand new startup software product and things like this. And he went ahead and he showed me what a webinar was. That was basically the whole pitch was like, I said, hey, I'm going to come work for you for free for 30 days. You're going to show me everything that you know about a software company, and I'll make you more money than you'll ever have to pay me. And uh, so the guy's name was Eric, and, and he was like, you're insane. Like, that's not going to happen. But we ended up, I ended up pushing really, really hard. Uh, he ended up saying yes, and that's when I saw him do a webinar for the first time, and he made $1,500 in an hour. And I got to tell you, Chris, I was like hooked. I mean, it was, it was like a... a like a drug almost like when I $1,500 in an hour. I mean, that's what I made. That's more than I made in a month at that time. So it was like watching somebody go ahead and do that. I was like, wow, okay, this, this software thing is for me. I, I like this SaaS thing. This is really, really fun. And from there, I just, I, I started getting pretty good at webinars. I started um, learning how software pricing worked and things like that. At the time he was selling it for like $67 or something like that one time. Because I was like doing a beta launch and I learned how to get that price of that product up and really be able to offer more value as opposed to just the tool set itself. Um, and once I started figuring that out, I started working with different companies, starting helping them increase their prices, started helping them um, increase their MRR and ARR, monthly reoccurring revenue and annual reoccurring. And from there, I just, I, I mean, I just started learning, started really nailing it. And last year, I started my first software product, uh, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> so it's been a fun little journey going from working with companies to being able to now do my my own. I think that's awesome. There's so much to be said about the agency kind of background, whereby you do a bit of everything, you learn a bit of everything, you yep. kind of focus on one thing in particular, but again, having the tool set to actually be able to go off and do this and then have the idea to for something to actually do. So tell us a little bit about your your software company now. Uh, yeah. And tell us how that's going. Absolutely. So my software company now is called Trust Scout. Uh, Trust Scout, um, and we primarily work with agencies uh, and agencies, freelancers, and and those types of individuals uh, who can then go ahead and help their clients 
go and collect video testimonials. So like, for example, Facebook ad agencies that work with us, they will go and help their clients uh, generate video testimonials to use for like retargeting ads. Um, we have SEO agencies that work with us that will collect video testimonials for their clients and then build it into their like their blog articles, doing like schema markups and things like that to rank for those keywords. So like best yoga in Boston review, for example, and then it'll start ranking for videos and things like that. Uh, and, and it's been cool. Like our software, it basically handles everything for the agency. So it handles even the invoicing aspect. It handles it handles the collection aspect, the automation, just everything that they need to go ahead and, and really implement that, uh, which has been a really cool journey. It's been interesting to see the different takes that people have on video reviews. Like I didn't, I know nothing about SEO in any way, shape or form. And for some reason, like I kind of like gravitated towards having quite a few SEO agencies come and work with us, uh, which was interesting because I was like, I was like, what are you doing with video reviews? And they were like, oh, schema markups. And I'm like, schema what-ups? <laughs> so it's been, a, it's been a fun journey getting to learn even, even about our clients a little bit more. That's amazing. So potentially not even the original customer base that you were thinking of, but you <laughs> now found a, a very special niche target audience. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really funny. Initially, we were thinking like Facebook ad agencies, and we have quite a bit of them because, I mean, it's, we, we, we understand Facebook ads. We understand like, like retargeting those types of things. But when it started coming out and, and we even have like designers and branding agencies now that have jumped on board. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think about these different markets. And it's just been cool to see people like kind of just come and join us. <laughs> nice. Well, I've got to remind myself sometimes this is a marketing show. Uh, although I could just sit there and talk about the SaaS side of it, but <laughs> Let's talk a little bit for anyone that's listening that is actually trying to run a, or trying to start or trying to market a SaaS company. How did you get your first ever clients? What was the, the, the kind of initial steps for you guys in terms of the marketing of your actual SaaS platform? Yeah, absolutely. So we did, I think we did about 100,000 within our first uh, 60 days, if I'm not mistaken, in annual reoccurring which was a very fun journey to, to put it lightly. It was, it was very interesting because for us... I mean, the model that we had, we didn't really build the software with the idea of growing it organically. That was probably not the way to do it. I mean, I think if you're starting a software, every software company that I've seen that I've worked with behind the scenes um, in, in handling their marketing for them and things like that, I a lot of like there's one client that I was working that, that had over 100,000 customers, but it was very organic and very SEO. And I was actually talking with the owner of that company saying like, hey, how do I do this for my software company? And he was like, well, it's going to take you at least a year to start getting customers through the, like, the door and like, people finding you organically on, on Google. And I have a very short attention span. <laughs> I think one year is extremely long for me. So what we ended up doing instead is we, we said, okay, let's pick one target. And I was an agency and we were using video testimonials for us initially to go ahead and, and help like our clients collect video reviews for them so we could write better sales copy and be able to create better webinars and, and things like that for them. So it was, it was actually pretty imperative for us to have those video reviews for our clients. And we were actually using it as a front end offer, almost like when a client came to us, if they didn't have the social proof that we needed, we would go, we would tell them, okay, hey, listen, collect video reviews with this software. Let's collect like 50, 60 of them in the next 24 hours. And then that's going to help me write better sales copy to help convert. 
And it was, it was almost kind of like a front end, like a commitment that we needed the clients to make before we even started working with them. So we were like, well, we're an agency. We understand agencies. Let's go work with agencies. So what we did is instead of targeting agencies directly, we just looked for, um, how would we call them? Like influential people or people who had our audience that we already wanted. So people who already went ahead and worked with agencies. So coaches, consultants, uh, people who would like email list guys, I guess is probably the best way to put them. And we, we connected with them right away. And within, I think the first 30 days, we had three or 30 to 60 days. We had like three real core promotions where we went, they promoted a webinar to their list. We did a webinar and then we sold um, at a pretty discounted price on an annual reoccurring for $1,000 a year. We went ahead and, and sold that that service and and it was cool. Yeah, we did we did six figures I think in the first sixty days or so from that. That's amazing. There's a lot to be said for partnerships or as you called it, sort of people that already have an audience, right? Yeah. Call it influencer marketing if you want. Call it partnerships. Call it whatever yeah. you want. People often forget that somebody else has already done the hard work. And yes, they're going to ask you for money or they're going to ask yeah. for a percentage of your sales or whatever it might be. But the connection of somebody who's already got a trusted audience sorry, an audience that trusts them, I should say, yeah. uh, and also that's already providing value to them, that's already sending out an email, running webinars, creating video content for YouTube, whatever it might be. That is an amazing way to to kind of snowball that as quickly as possible. And that's obviously the case for you guys, right? That must have made a massive impact for you as a business owner to sort of be able to sit there and go, wow, in 60 days, you know, 100K revenue. It's a nice, It's a nice milestone to hit really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, even for us, it was more about like product, uh, what's it called? Like va- value, like va- validating the idea, I think is also like the biggest thing. Cause we were, when we started, we don't, we, you don't, when you start up a software company, you have no idea if the product's going to do good or not. You know, like that, that's probably the best way to put it. You can sell, you could create, I think there's also a very big difference. There's a software company and then there's SaaS companies. And there's a very, very big difference between them. And I've I've worked with both. A software company typically creates something that another company has and then just does it at a one-time low price. And then they have like an upsell funnel and that types of stuff, which it's very easy if you're just undercutting everybody, especially at a one-time price. But it's it's not profitable. I mean, because you always need that new sale to come in the door in order to go out and and kind of keep it alive. I mean, if you stop having new customers come in, your company literally just goes bankrupt in, within like three to six months. And then with a soft, like a SaaS company, it, it's more about getting that reoccurring where you focus on the community. And that was key for us because it was more of a mindset of we could go ahead and, and have this be a software company, but we'd much rather have a SaaS company where we can go and work. And I think that validation of having over a hundred customers join us in that first 60 days at a, a, a annual reoccurring price, I, I, I believe was a, a key indicator that, okay, wait a minute, we're actually, we found an actual nice market that's, that people enjoy it and people are using it. And what was really even cool about it is that we, we did like a, a three-day training right after. So it was like a three-day live event after those, those, three, um, those three partners promoted us. Um, and we had a, like a 66 or 68% success rate of those clients that came through the door that went ahead and implemented it right away. They put it right into their, their clients that they had and started collecting those reviews. And, and to me, that was like, that was super validating because it was like, okay, not even that people want to buy it. It's just that people can go ahead and, and 
and to re- even recoup their investment because their agency selling this service to their clients within like <laughs> what 48 hours or 72 hours or something crazy. So it was, it was a really cool double validation that we had in that initial standpoint. Awesome. So Adam, in terms of what people can actually do and how people can use video testimonials, you mentioned stuff like retargeting and obviously the generic kind of social proof idea. This is something we've done with clients. We've done it the old fashioned manual way, like actually getting on a call, a bit like what we're doing now to record the podcast and recording and then cutting and editing video. But what are some of the use cases for this? And what are some of the real reasons that people should be using this? And again, I'm thinking outside of the agency box here, but even small businesses, SMEs, what could they use this and how could they use it? Yeah, my, my favorite use case, and it was for me when we were working with the clients initially, like, I mean, we, we literally built Trustcoat for ourselves initially it, before it didn't even have a name. It was just <laughs> our software. Um, but the, the biggest use cases that we had for us, I mean, I'm, I guess like a copywriter, I guess you could say that. Like, I just, I just love persuasion is probably the better way to put it. Um, and, and learning all those little midi types of details and things. But for us, when we were going ahead and using it for the clients, I mean, it's one is understanding who your customers are and what they love about you. I mean, I can't even, the value alone in just having video reviews as opposed to written reviews and understanding the diff, like why did a customer come find you in the first place? Like, what was the pain point that they were going through where they made that decision to jump in? Um, and then another one, like, that we would usually look for is, like, okay, why did the consumer that you have, why did they actually buy from you as opposed to something else? Was it something that you said? Was it something on your site? Like, what is it? And, and once, even just from a, a researching point of view, understanding those little details can help you change your sales copy can help you optimize everything much better, even your ad messaging, because you know exactly what those customers are buying. So if you have 50, 100, 200 reviews that come through the door, you're going to find similar trends of like what made that customer jump, jump in with you as opposed to a competitor. And then on top of this, there's tons of different use cases to go and promote. I mean, for for us, we, we, we ran a test in the initial days. So this was even before we built the software because we wanted to know if video reviews made an impact in conversions. So we ran like a feature heavy page, which was like a, kind of like a generic, like what you see every business do. It's like who we are, what we do, why we do it. Here's a picture with me and our amazing customers. It, here's our pricing and, and yada, yada, yada. And, and so we ran one of those on a Facebook ad and uh, we ended up losing the client like over a thousand bucks in a single day running ads at that. So that was good. <laughs> but we ran a second one that had written reviews on it and we ended up lowering the ad budget down to like 250 per day. And we ran it for about a week. Some days we made money, but some days we didn't. And we realized that the difference was just having that written reviews in there, having that social proof, having that validity to it. And then, then we did the third one, which was with video reviews where I had to like manual, like kind of what you just said, manually go out, collect these video reviews, exhausting manual process. Uh, we spent two weeks doing. And uh, once we did that, uh, we ran the same ads and we ended up realizing that there was a pretty significant increase in conversions. Uh, and we had it, we structured it as two. So we built the video reviews into the page and we also made like a wall of love, um, which was just basically a landing page with endless amounts of video reviews on it and buy buttons scattered throughout the whole thing. 
Uh, and we, we started realizing, we kind of like put it at the top of the sales page that we were running to the Facebook ad. And we started realizing like a good majority of people were clicking on that wall of love, like the review section and like watching people talk. And I think one of the big reasons why video reviews are, I call them 24 seven salespeople is because if you guide people through that video review in the initial standpoint, you can say, okay, what problem were you facing? Like, why did you decide to come work with me? Like, what problem did you decide that you wanted to solve this issue? Like, why did you come work with me specifically? And then what do you, what do you picture? Like, what's going to be like, what's the, the future look like for you? What's the next six to 12 months look like? And you have like 50, 100, 200 of those types of videos on that, that wall. Well, now people can go and click on it and be like, wait a minute. Oh my God, Chris is going through the exact same problem that I'm going through right now. And then Chris then all of a sudden goes through and well, I decide to work with Adam because Adam's a cool guy and honestly, like he really cares. And now over the next six months, I can't see myself making less than X amount or I can't see my conversions decline. You know what I mean? Like that, that future. And now people are like, because everybody always thinks that their situation's so unique, which is just absolute garbage. Okay. It's not true. Nobody has a unique situation. Um, it, it's, it, there's always like, at least a couple hundred people minimum in that specific problem that, that can do it. And when they see somebody else that's going through it, it's like letting somebody else sell for you instead of me trying to sell. Cause I don't like to sell. Like I would much rather whenever I, I do sell, I'm like, you know what? Don't listen to me. Like, listen to what Chris has to say because Chris has already gone through it. Like I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like twist your arm? Like, no, come on. <laughs> that's not, that's not the way we want to do things. <laughs> it's interesting that like, there's two things, but you know, I think one, we are unique. Like I will disagree with you slightly, but you know, I'm unique. You're unique. And yep. So is everybody else. We're all unique, Correct. right? Which makes, Absolutely. which makes us all uh, exactly the same, but uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a tough one. But for something that I think is huge about this as well is the value of what you've called, what you've talked about is actually the feedback loop that you get from doing this. Uh, and this is something where I think a lot of agencies are at fault. And this again, being you and I's probably knowledge base or experience that's given us the insight into this, but actually having real conversations with your clients and saying, Hey guys, look, where are we at? Where are you guys at as a business? What's going on? What's working well? What isn't? Talk to me. Tell me about the problems. Tell me about things you're not happy with. A lot of people are scared of having that conversation. They're scared of getting real with a client face-to-face or over Zoom like we do 99% of everything nowadays. But having that conversation with someone is incredible what you learn. And again, it's not just about the clients and it's not about finding better or smarter or cheekier, stealthier ways to sell to them. It's about the idea of actually realizing what's working and what isn't for your customers. What do you need to work on? What do you need to change? What do you need to develop? Are you missing something where you think you're offering them the best thing since sliced bread, but actually there's just that one little thing, right? That if you did that as well, it would make their lives 10 times easier. And I think those are the bits that I don't know. I think there's an element of people are scared of doing it because sometimes the truth can hurt. You know, I'd rather a client have a conversation with me and say, we're not happy with X, Y, and Z. And at least it means I can address that. But also I'm amazed at how many times we talk to customers and for us anyway, as an agency, we say like, how many client interviews have you had? How many times have you spoken to your clients about your product, your service, whatever it is to try and get that feedback. And I'd say probably nine times out of 10 people have done nothing, nothing. to get that feedback. Yeah. yeah. And that's terrifying, that's right? You, you mentioned it about like the validity of your idea. It doesn't matter if you sell a product, a service, a SaaS, it doesn't matter. 
But asking people their opinion, the people that are actually going to give you the money, that's the most important thing, right? Correct. Exactly. And, I mean, in my mind, it was always like, and that was why we built it in the first place for us was because we, we really needed that feedback loop. I mean, it was, we, we had to know what gets a customer to tick. Like, what is it that makes somebody be interested in you? And then also, it was, it was funny, somebody, uh, I was talking with somebody else, I forget who it was, but they were, they were telling me, well, what, one of the things is that business owners are afraid of like getting like one star reviews or getting negative feedback and things like that. And they were like, well, in your software, can you like delete the videos and stuff? And I was like, well, all the video, like that, that's, that's, that's insane in, in my mind. Like, I mean, the thing is, yes, of course you can delete the video. The videos are for you to use for, for your own purposes. Like it doesn't showcase anywhere unless you're the one that showcases it. So yeah, you could go delete it. But like, if you're afraid of getting people to, to, give you honest feedbacks or criticisms that you're facing or that you have, like that's just ignorance in, in my mind because it's like you want to know what are some of the issues that people are facing. You want to know, like it was, it was great. I was talking with a, a guy and, and he does Amazon, for example. So he's a huge Amazon guy, which we're not going to go down the Amazon route, but just to <laughs> give you the little, little feedback he gave me. And he said, he says, well, what we do, like we always go ahead, we look at what other people are selling. If we're looking to kind of branch into a different niche or, or sub niche, we always look at the reviews of competitors' products, but we look at the three-star reviews. We don't care about the five-star. We don't care about the one-star. We care about the three-star reviews because the ones that give you the three-star reviews, they always, they, they give you like paragraph essays about every little thing that's wrong with it and, and that types of things. And it's only once you understand like, the nitty gritty, honest feedback that you're able to go and optimize things. I mean, I would, and it's true. I mean, I always, if I'm looking to go out to like even a seafood place, for example, or whatever, if I want to go get some fish, like I don't, I don't look to see that it's the best fish in the world. I want to know what's the best fish, why it's the best fish. Like I, I always look for those little nitty gritty things and it's important for feedback for your business. It's terrible. I spent a couple of days away with my, uh, with my girlfriend the other day. And it's awful. We've got to the point now where even when friends recommend places, we're like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then like quickly get our phones out and just double check. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I want to see what the reviews say. I want to check out some photos, yep. whether I like the look of it as well. But it is one of those things and it applies to everything, I think, whether you're, you know, even nowadays for jobs, before you apply to a job, you can go to open door, glass door, sorry. Yep, exactly. Um, you could you could check out what people are saying. And Correct. then suddenly you're like that. Wow, this sounds like an awful place to work. I don't want to work there. <laughs> or you sit there and go, wow, that sounds absolutely amazing. I'd love to be a part of that team. And I think that's something that whether we like it or not, whether you're small mom and pop store size or whether you're doing millions of pounds, everything that you can learn from your clients and about your customers is, in, is amazingly important. And I think what's really interesting, you mentioned the the sort of three-star reviews as being the guys that mostly put the the big things up. I always remember the NPS score, the net promoter score. And I don't know if you've ever read into this as well or, or ever seen this, but you've been asked this question a million times. It's the, how likely are you to recommend this mm. product service to a friend? Give us a score of one to 10. And basically what it is, is you've got one to six, which is detractors. So people that basically are negative. Um, eight and seven and eight are people that are neutral. And then you've got nines and tens. And actually, I remember the numbers being, it's more likely that you can turn a negative experience into a positive one as opposed to shifting someone who's completely indifferent. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody's had a bad time and if you address someone who's given you that one-star review, like you mentioned, right, it's not about deleting it. 
it's about cool adam let's jump on a call straight away uh, i've seen your review I, I feel like there's been something that's gone majorly wrong on our side not on the customer side right. we're not blaming people we're not pointing fingers but having a conversation with that person understanding what it is that you failed at from their eyes from their point of view and then doing something about it like hand-holding someone who gave you a one-star review and taking them to going, these guys are amazing, especially in those early days, right? When you're a SaaS or any business, in the early days, you don't have 4,000 customers. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, it's true, so 100%. There's, there's no excuse, right? There's Correct. no excuse not to get involved in that and to try and change that perception, not even perception, that experience, find out exactly what it is because the chances are if one person has done it or said it or felt it, and like you said, again, there's no unique circumstances. There's probably multiple people that will feel that way in the future or that already do in and amongst your customer base already. Yeah, I actually, I, so that's, that was, that's always one thing that I do is like with negative, I, I love people who come across and, and hate, hate, whether it was any of the clients that we were working with, if they had true hatred of something, like if they were so enraged because of something, those were always the people I'd want to hop on a call with. And I'd, I'd, I'd spam them everywhere. I'd spam them on email. I'd, I'd, I'd message their Facebook. I'd, I'd hit them up everywhere. I'd, I'd, get a, I'd buy an airplane to fly a banner right over their house because I want them to hop on a call with me because the people who have the most amount of disdain for something, those are the ones who are your advocates. Those guys can work in two directions. They're loud. I mean, if, if they show true, like, like they're going at it, you know, like they send you essays to support or whatever, those guys are either going to work for you in two directions. Either one, they're going to go and they'll, they'll either post on their social or they'll do something if, if they really have a disdain. Or the other thing is that they will become your number one biggest advocate on planet Earth. And it's always those guys, especially in the early days, because in the early days, that's when you're really, I mean, it's just, I mean, you, you've started up a company before, you know, it's, that's the, that's the part that's brutal because everything changes every four and a half minutes. It's like, oh my God, now we got to do this. Oh, wait a minute. Now there's an issue with this. We got to fix this, especially in software. Cause you kind of like, everything's constantly breaking in the early days because you keep trying to change everything. But I, I love those guys in the early days. And, and to me, that's, that was critical. I mean, I, I must've hopped on probably a good 20 something calls, which is customers that were facing issues. And I would even have them, I'd be like, I'd even send them our link, like the video testimonial link. And I'd be like, Hey, can you just record exactly like, or can you show me like exactly what's happening and, and that type of stuff? Like, I want to see the experience that you're facing so I can understand it. Um, and also the other, the other big thing too is, and I think this is really important, uh, especially for like digital marketing now is like in Back in the 70s, I think there's like all these like sales type of gurus and stuff like that that talk about like, oh, you, you got to have like really good persuasion or you got to be able to say this and, and that or you have to just hammer the phones and all that type of stuff. I really believe in like today's day and age, people aren't, I mean, being sold is like one thing, but at the same time is like people, it's like if you're going out to a restaurant or anything along those lines, what do you do? You check reviews first. You, you, somebody can be the best salesman in the world. But if you can't just search and see like, like 100, 200, 300 people talking about how this guy is or if Chris is a good guy, if he actually does what he says he's going to do, I mean, now in today's day and age, there's what, 5,000 different marketing agencies. There's 5,000 different pizza shops in your neighborhood. There's 5,000 different everything in everywhere. You're not, you're not really trying to make one sale and you're the only potential person that can offer that sale anymore. Like 
All somebody needs to do now is just go on Google and just type in your name or even just type in what industry you're in and say like best Facebook ad agency. And now you're competing against the entire web as opposed to just you pitching somebody on the phone. So it's like, you got to remember too, is like people are always going to check your reviews first, or they're always going to go ahead and want to see any sort of substance about what you're saying is true. And that was especially when we were working with like, like especially getting those initial clients that we were working with back in, in the software off the ground and getting copy written. It was like, I could write you copy that sells people. It'll sell some of them. It's, it's not going to convert great. But if you have 24 seven salespeople who are talking about what you're doing and they can go and research it for themselves. Now it, it helps that logical decision take place where people are going to go ahead and make that purchase. I couldn't agree with you more. And again, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think people realize the power of. And I think it's in twofold. It's one, creating a piece of content and then they publish it and they go, great, that's it. It's done. And that's it. They forget about it. So whether it's a video testimonial or a blog article or a social media post, it's one and done and people kind of move on and quick, I've got to come up with the next great idea. And hopefully this next one will go viral or Mm-hmm. whatever it is. And people don't realize the power of video. If you make a good video or if you've got a good video, like you mentioned there, it's a constant 24 seven sales mechanism for you, whether it be, and you mentioned there earlier webinars. Uh, so I've got a good, uh, a good colleague and friend who's basically running a SaaS business as well. Who's just rebooted up the whole webinar space for himself. And he's doing it in partnership with other people that already have the perfect audiences and he's doing revenue share models with them. But basically getting back into the swing of it, because again, doing that, figuring out the questions people ask, understanding what people are kind of looking for, et cetera. What a great way to then be able to create something that is on demand, available all the time and is working for you whilst you're not having to be stood at your computer or sat at your computer working. The second thing is, and again, it's the same, whether it's a review testimonial from a client as a video or whether it's a explain a video or a video about you, about your service, about what you do and how you do it. Any of these things, you've got to remember that you need to get traffic to it. And I have this conversation time and time again with people. I do a lot of sort of consultancy work, fractional CMO stuff now as well. The biggest problem I have is that people go, I want to start a podcast. And I go, that's fantastic. Like, What sort of budget do you have to make sure that people find out about the podcast? And they're like that. No, no, like we'll just do the podcast and then people will hear about it magically. And I'm like that, you know, listen, I've been doing this for two years. We spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and money. You know, our editor, Adam, is phenomenal that we've got Adam in our team who basically does all the web pages, all the content and copy stuff, and then all the imagery to go with it. And we do YouTube clips and edited and one thing or another. Then we do, it's just never ending. Like it's a big, big process. And I think no matter what it is, if you're listening to this, and I'm hoping Adam will agree with me on this, if you're listening to this, Making the content is the first step, then remembering that you've got to get that content in front of as many people as possible. This is really key, though. And I, I think people don't realize it, Adam. I'm being honest. Like, And again, if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, Chris, wow, you've lost the plot, feel free to send us a message as usual on, on Twitter or an email. I don't mind. But it is really, really important to me, that message of creating something as awesome as a great landing page or these testimonial videos whatever it is, you've then got to make sure you're getting people to those pieces of content. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I believe that there's only two real aspects in a business. I mean, there's traffic and sales. That's it. I mean, if, if, you, if you really 
I think business owners, a lot of the time, we, we get, I mean, we get obsessed with the delivery, improving the product, like all of that has to do managing a team, all that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, there's only two numbers that are going to put any money in your pocket. How many people saw your message and how many people bought that message? That's it. There's, there's nothing else. Everything else is is like the behind the scenes aspect of the business. But if, if you don't have those two critical things, then it, it none of the other stuff matters. And, and especially like, I, I mean, a lot of new business owners and stuff like that, I mean, I've seen it and it's painful to watch. Like people get obsessed with logos or people get obsessed with a website. I mean, I've saw, I saw so somebody- it's, I'm so happy you mentioned those two things. It's the first thing that I'm like that. No one cares. And people look at me and go, no, I care. And you're like that. No one else yeah, does. Don't no, worry about it. Move nobody on. Nobody does. It's true. Like I, we didn't have a website for Trustcode. I don't think for like a good five, six months. Like I, we didn't care. Like we had, we had customers and, and whenever they went to the site, it was just log in. That was it. We, we didn't care because it doesn't matter. I mean, in the initial or especially the early days, like if you're doing SEO and you've been doing it for years now, then yeah, okay, those little things start to matter. But in the early days, it's, does, brand, does your logo have anything to do with traffic or sales? And the answer is no. Does your website have anything to do with traffic or sales? Not necessarily unless it is a sales page with your reviews and that type of stuff on it. That's, the, that's it. Like telling them what we do and that type of stuff and here's all the people we did it for. I mean, just literally creating a page that says... Let's say if you're a, a Facebook ad agency that says, we help businesses run, or we, we help X niche run Facebook ads. Here's all of the successful people that we've helped. And then just literally just all of the clients, video testimonials, proof shots, all that type of stuff. Like that is way more valuable than anything that you could do on the branding side or anything like that, because it's just a sales optimization tool. And it's what customers are going to look for in order to convert. But it, it's always... The social proof to back up what you say and like the sales and the messaging to make that happen. And of course, the traffic that's <laughs> critical. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, all right. Before we wrap up, Adam, quick one for you. Sure. What's the number one tip that you would give anyone listening right now in terms of their digital marketing? Ooh, number one tip. I would say for me, the number one tip that I kind of wish I knew a little bit earlier it is kind of along the lines of what you said when it comes to traffic. I mean, if I had known that traffic was so critical in the earlier days, I would have studied a little bit more. I mean, for me, it was like I had to go ahead and I guess a really quick story that I'll share is so when I was working with that first client that I was working with, he had a list, which is great. So I could go ahead and start making sales right off the bat. But what really, really struggled in the early days is that the software had nothing really, like there was no, no social proof, none of that type of stuff, but we only had that list. So once that list kind of dried up, we didn't have anything else. I mean, if I, if I had started to realize, and, and the only thing to do was to continuously create new product and new inventory to sell that pre-existing customer list that we had. But if I had focused on getting new traffic and then focusing on converting cold traffic that would have been a lot more valuable than me like making the money in the early days selling like different inventory and things like that. Because if you can convert cold traffic, which really cold traffic, the, the, I think the formula for it is cold leads, proper message to those, the, that specific niche, 
and a, a way to back up exactly what you're saying. If, if you can do those three things, like then, then you can scale a business to, to unprecedented levels, whether that be through partnerships or ads or SEO or honestly anything. It just comes down to, to that little focus right there. Love it. Adam, where can people find you online? Yeah, so they can go visit us at trustscout.io uh, in order to come visit us. Beautiful. Adam, thank you so much for your time today. Cool. Hey, thank you so much, Chris. The All About Digital Marketing podcast is brought to you by Social Inc., a distributed digital marketing agency specialized in delivering results through online campaigns. Whether it's content marketing, social media marketing, online advertising, or web design, we've got you covered from strategy through to delivery. If you're struggling with your digital marketing, get in touch today by simply visiting www.socialinc.co.